everybody. How are y'all doing? I'm Michael. I'm joined by Alex, as always. How's it going? And we're here with another episode of Fallen Through Plotholes, a podcast about video game plotlines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part three, our final part, on Castlevania for Spooky Month, the Octoberist of months, the most Halloweeny of times. In fact, this episode is going to be going... We're recording this episode the day before Halloween, and it's going to be going up the day after Halloween. So if you average it out, this is it's going to come out exactly on Halloween. So this is the perfect time to be talking about some Draculas. Thank you, math. Yeah, math is great. It is my favorite thing in the world. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Alex, how are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm doing well. Good, 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 good. I am in the full Halloween spirit. Mm. I, um, I live in the most spooky part of the Pacific Northwest, I feel like. Uh, and what I mean by that is that I live in a Mad Max hellscape for a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yes. Having been there, yes, I can attest. Mm-hmm. Indeed, yes. You are more than aware mm-hmm. of uh, the nonsense that happens here, such as there was a car crash at my local Safeway that I was I did not I did not witness. Mm. But I did witness the aftermath because I found a car that is parked at the apartment complex I live at that was just completely missing its bumper. Ah, uh, yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then I went to said Safeway, and then I saw that said bumper was just there. <laughs> oh. Uh, just outside the Safeway, on the sidewalk. Hmm. And it's been out there for days now. It has not been moved by anybody. I feel like you'd, like, want that back. I, I feel like you would, too. I guess not. Okay. And, like, the best part is, like, it was moved once by the Safeway employees, but just around the side of the building. Right. Where it's where- still... It's not their problem anymore. But still incredibly visible to everybody. Right. And also within within visual con- like contact of the car. If you're standing from the wrecked car <laughs> and you're looking at the bumper, you would you'd be like, okay, listen, you can actually see, see that. You maybe need to go get this. Right. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. It's surrounded by nothing but crows right now. The crows have now claimed it. And um, yeah, it, it just... It really puts me in a Halloween spirit of being like, ah, yes, there's yeah. some spookiness afoot. And we're going to continue with that spookiness theme by talking about probably the spookiest reboot of all the video games as we talk about Castlevania, Lords of Shadow. The games that revitalized an aging franchise. <laughs> I will never, never let go of that. <laughs> Would you believe that's maybe not the worst piece of journalism that's going to come out around this? I would believe it. Freaking oh, man. PS3 action games were a time. Weren't they, though? Weren't they? Oh, yeah, I, I got a really good poll quote that I'm going to... Well, oh, boy. Not, it's not quite a poll quote, but it is definitely a paragraph from a write-up about the game that... Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, look forward to that one. Uh, Alex, have you ever had any experience with Lords of Shadow? I I have not. I've pretty much completely dodged it. Yeah, same. Um, I I have definitely seen a lot of videos of it. I am definitely aware of what the game is, how it was developed, and all that good stuff. But as far as mm-hmm. actually playing it, I've never touched it because yeah. that is not a style of game that has ever clicked with me. That sort of mm-hmm. God of War, Devil May Cry character action game. Right. <laughs> And so, like, when I saw that Konami was making one of those, I was like, well, neat. I'm uh, gonna go do something else. <laughs> and it seems like, at least for two-thirds of it, uh, of this series, 
it maybe was a good decision. Uh, the first cat, yeah. Order of, yeah, the first order of shadows or Lord of Shadows, uh, is going to be well received. The other two games, not so much, as we'll get into here in just a second. But first, a little bit of setup exactly how Lords of Shadow came to be. So, after release of Order of Ecclesia in 2008, uh, Koji Igarashi, or Iga, his time as the man behind all things Castlevania was starting to come to an end. Uh, now, this was after a really good stretch of time on this series. After being the producer on eight games in a six-year time period, hard to actually believe that those many games came out, two fully 3D games and then six portable games, all mm-hmm. came out within a six-year period. Yeah. <clears throat> and, like, at least six of those were considered to be incredibly good games in their own rights. Like, some of them, some of the greatest games ever made, you could potentially argue. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, this didn't transfer to sales. Right. Now, there's quite a few reasons for that. Um, part of it was that, you know, a lot, a lot of budget was put into these games. As these games sold less and less, less money was put into them. And so they had to kind of recycle ideas or have shorter development cycles to kind of make up for this bit of a shortfall. Uh, the fact that it came out so soon after one another sort of burned people out, such as myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who loves these sort of games, but I have yet to play Order of Ecclesia, for instance. Right. But regardless, these games sold progressively less and less until it finally reached a tipping point with Order of Ecclesia. Uh, now, this next bit comes from the obviously reputable VG Charts. Yeah. The charts, it's spelled with a Z. But unfortunately, with the way uh, video game sales are reported, Worded, it's sometimes hard to get accurate numbers. And right. VG Charts has been accurate in some instances. Not all, but some. According to their numbers, despite being some of the best games in the series, Order of Ecclesia ultimately sold roughly uh, 370,000 copies. Not great. <laughs> right, yeah, not setting the charts on fire. Yeah, and mind you, this is a downtrend uh portrait of ruin for mm-hmm. instance show, sold a little over four hundred thousand copies right just kind of give you an idea that it's it was a downslide yeah now castlevania actually traditionally has not been a series that has sold a ton of games as we'll kind of get into in a second but for this it was even lower than expected mm-hmm. and what was more disturbing for the you know the japan-based konami was that the majority of these sales were from north america hmm oh boy yeah, in Japan, it sold around 40,000 copies. Mm. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny looking at the graph where, where like, it sold like a similar amount of Europe. And in North America, it's just like, it is all the way to the moon. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that bar graph. So with that, the, pull, the plug was pulled on Iga, and he was shifted off of Castlevania. Once again, he's going to go on to do other things. He's going to still be the producer on other Castle, not Castlevania, on other Konami projects, such as Odomedius Excellent and whatnot. Uh-huh. for eventually being shuffled off to mobile game development. But for Konami, they weren't about to pull the plug on Castlevania itself. They would do quite a few new projects around Castlevania, a couple of them including the traditional-style Castlevania game for the Nintendo Wii in 2009 called Castlevania The Adventure Rebirth, a legitimately good game, and spin-offs such as Castlevania Puzzle, Encore of the Night, as well as the weird Castlevania Judgment game, mm-hmm. which was a Wii-exclusive fighting game featuring character designs from Takeshi Obata, uh, the person behind Death Note. They are interesting designs. They are maybe some... Oh, yeah, they are 
uh, absolutely awful designs. <laughs> they are the, they are exactly what you'd expect that the creator of Death Note would do. Yep. <laughs> if you are familiar with his work, um, a lot of like weird gothic Lolita and like turning middle aged men into little boys with spears. Uh, one thing I will say that's good about that game it has maybe some of the best music in the mm. Castlevania series, unironically. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, those games didn't light the world on fire either. Right. But most importantly, Konami saw how this series had a strong and loyal North American audience. And so they decided to take one last crack at a big budget Castlevania title. And in 2008, they announced a new project, Lords of Shadow. Originally just called Lords of Shadow because they did not want to, uh, this is a bit of a pun, overshadow Castlevania Judgment. So they actually didn't uh, give it the uh, Castlevania moniker until later. That's a, that's a really stupid decision. Incredibly stupid, but hey. <laughs> there's a lot of things about this development that are going to be kind of stupid, as we're going to get into. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seeing that your fan base is shifting towards a Western theater mm-hmm. and deciding to sort of play into that and pander to that Western audience has always gone well for game development in this time period, right? Oh, especially for Japanese companies. Absolutely. Yeah, Capcom just made absolute bank off of that decision again and again and again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dead Rising was great. And then mm-hmm. Lost Planet happened. And, uh... Yeah. And then the sequels to both of those games definitely didn't perform worse every time. Oh, yeah. No, they are well-beloved games that everybody remembers. Everyone remembers Dead Rising 3. Mm-hmm. It's a modern classic, that game. Yeah. 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 This was, as Alex just alluded to, this is around the time that... Uh, Japanese developers were kind of in a very, they were very lost, I feel yes. like. Like, not really sure how to handle the transition to, like, HD graphics and just mm-hmm. generally the rising production cost that comes behind developing games. Yeah. And so and, they, go ahead. Uh, uh, Just in fairness to them, like, they got hit with sort of this double whammy of the technology took a massive step forward at the same time that the demographics shifted radically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so there was there was a lot to sort of navigate at the time. Exactly, yeah. And for some of these companies that are, you know, really steeped in tradition and were not used to rapid change like this, it was like, okay, well, what exactly are we going to do about this? Right. Look at what these, like, Western companies are doing. We should copy what they're doing and, mm-hmm. you know, try to make games that appeal to that audience. Right. Uh, it, it turns out, as we'll later learn, the answer is they actually probably should have just doubled down on their own development styles. But... Right, because that's what made people like their games, including Westerners like their games in the first place, is the you know, Japanese idiosyncrasies of mm-hmm. it. Exactly, exactly. But at the time, you could totally understand why they did this. And so right. companies such as Konami and Capcom and Square Enix would all make this huge push. and. Mm-hmm. Some would actually have legit success. I think Square Enix's Western-developed games actually were, by and large, very good. Yeah, I mean, at least half of them were built or were were made by um, just Western studios that they acquired. So that probably helped. That probably went a long way, yes. And then, yeah, others like Capcom, as we've already said. Oh, boy. (laughs) But Kanabi, they're also going to take a stab at this. And they're going to have some mixed success with this as well. Mm. So... 
Lords of Shadow is more than just a reboot of Castlevania. It's a complete reimagination of this series. You see, this game began, began life as a remake of the original Castlevania, like starring Simon Belmont and everything. But it soon became something more than that, with Konami being like, actually, let's just wipe the slate clean and let's just start over. Get rid of all the baggage. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about timelines. Dracula coming back every 100 years. Who cares? We're going to just rewrite the rules of Dracula. Right. Um, this ain't going to be your father's Dracula. And we're going to just do something completely new, which is maybe not the worst idea in the world for Castlevania. It's risky, but there's definitely benefits to it. And if you nail it, it can definitely work. Yes. And in order to help nail this, they're going to need to get a company that's going to be willing to like put together a solid project for this. Because Konami's mm -hmm. not going to develop this internally. Right. So they got a few Western developers to create prototypes for what was going to be an original IP. So original game completely unrelated to anything. So... Mm. You know, they put together a few like you know points that they wanted to focus on, and then they just had a few people put pitch some, a uh, few companies pitch some projects to them. Uh -huh. Of these, a prototype from the Spanish development house Mercury Steam was ultimately selected. And when it was selected, they said, "Hey, listen, you're going to make a Castlevania game." So Mercury Steam is an interesting company. Mm -hmm. Now they have uh, experienced quite a bit of success nowadays, which we'll get to at the end of this episode. But at this time, they were more known for a little title released in 2007 called Clive Barker's Jericho. Oh, no. Yeah, not exactly a good game. <laughs> and also one that I had totally forgotten about until I looked up Mercury Steam, Mercury Steam and saw that they had done that and went, oh, oh, well, right. I guess it makes sense that they're going to be making a gothic horror action adventure game, but... Mm. <laughs> that was not a good game it was not a good game no no solid 60% on Metacritic game <laughs> so yeah like it, on one hand it seems like they were a pretty good fit to do something involving Castlevania given the aesthetic on the other hand they didn't exactly have the world's greatest reputation jumping into this right but regardless they put together something that was impressive enough that they immediately got started on the project However, this project almost immediately ran into trouble shortly after development. Konami was not impressed, and they stepped in and told them, hey, listen, we're not satisfied, we're going to cancel the game. Thankfully for Mercury Steam, however, they had somebody on the inside of Konami who was willing to champion the project. Producer David Cox. Now, mm -hmm. David Cox is a longtime member of Konami on their marketing side. He got started um, in their UK offices, and his first project actually was handling the marketing for Symphony of the Night. Mm. Yeah, after that, he was primarily involved with the marketing of pretty much every Castlevania game afterwards. And because of that, he kind of became like the European Castlevania guy. Right. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Eventually, he became a producer at Konami. And so when he heard that this project was floundering, he took notice of it and was like, actually, this looks pretty good and is promising. So he took it before the senior management at Konami in Japan and was like, hey, listen, this could be good. He, they just need some time. They need some polish. Let's let's try to work with this a bit. Mm -hmm. So Konami senior leadership was like, OK, well, maybe we could do something with this. We're not really sure, though. You know, these, maybe we need a little bit more convincing. And then it turns out somebody else at Konami also took notice of it. And that was famed director and producer at Konami, Hideo Kojima of Metal Gear Solid fame. Oh, boy. 
Now, this is not the episode to talk about Hideo Kojima. No. But in short, he is a game designer and producer and director and overall avant-garde crazy person Mm -hmm. who had been with Konami since the 80s. Uh, First working on Metal Gear back on the MSX and NES and then, of course, becoming the go-to Metal Gear for all things Metal Gear and basically the the guy who's kind of keeping Konami's reputation afloat, to be honest. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he is uh, considered to be one of those uh, one of those like famed video game designers mm-hmm. uh, up there with like Shigeru Miyamoto um, and whatnot. And so when he takes an interest of a project and he wants to champion it, naturally the people of Konami are going to listen to it. So Konami's Kojima was like, okay, let's go ahead and see what we can work with this. And so he became an advisor on this. Now, the press and marketing is going to really play up Kojima's involvement with this. Mm. The reality is that his overall involvement was actually kind of minimal. Right. At least for like the overall game design. So he did like advise the team to do things like change the main characters, like facial features and attitude to be like a little softer and more heroic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercury Steam had the idea of having Gabriel Belmont, the main character you play as, be more of like a barbarian. And he's like, well, make him a little bit more heroic as somebody that the players can like identify with a little bit. Right. Someone you won't just be <sighs> exhausted playing as for the whole game. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Kojima, so Kojima like suggested that his biggest contribution probably is on the Japanese side in that he handled the J- Japanese localization of the game. Hmm. In particular, he actually got a lot of people who worked on Metal Gear Solid as, like, voice actors and voice coaches to come over to the project and do, like, the the Japanese voice acting for that game. Huh. So, that was enough for basically every magazine to make Kojima's involvement, like, a central focus in their preview coverage. Right, of course. Like, to the point that even more, it was, like, overshadowed with the fact that they, like, literally went out and hired Patrick Stewart to voice (laughs) one of the major characters in the game. (laughs) Which, like, considering that literally there was a game three years... Actually, was it six years before the release mm-hmm. of this game? Elder, the Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. That had Patrick Stewart and for, like, five lines. Right. <laughs> and everyone made such a big deal of it. But, um, oh. yeah, so... Patrick Stewart, thankfully, is going to get much more of a role in this and do, honestly, a pretty good job. Of course. As he does. As he does, Yes. So all of this ultimately culminated in a pretty robust, for Castlevania anyways, marketing campaign, you know, complete mm. with TV advertisements and a ton of magazine coverage featuring some of the most fawning and dumbest coverage I've ever <laughs> seen in a lead up to a game. And of course, Alex has alluded to at least a little bit of this. Mm. Lord of the Shadow released on October 5th, 2010 to good reviews with an 85 out of 100 on Metacritic. While the game didn't sell a ton, it did easily outsell their previous entries with 1.77 million copies as of 2020, which was considered a success in Konami's view. They were actually pretty conservative with how well this game was going to do. They were like, oh, wow, this is actually one of the best-selling Castlevania games ever. All right. Right. Great. Yeah. And with this success, Konami's going to greenlight more Lords of Shadow projects with Mercury Steam at the helm. But before we get into those, it's time we talk the plot of Castlevania. Lords of Shadow. So, Lords of Shadow takes place in the year 1047. Uh, it is set up as saying that it takes place at the end of days, 
as the Earth's alliance with the heavens have been threatened by a dark and malevolent force, the mysterious lords of shadow and darkness reigns the world. So, in order to stop this, a Brotherhood of Knights is formed, called the Brotherhood of Light. And headed by this is a guy by the name of Zobek. Zobek is an elderly man, voiced by Patrick Stewart, who, via ritual, finds that there is a knight that is pure of heart within their ranks who can help stop this dark brotherhood called the Lords of Shadow, a man by the name of Gabriel Belmont. So he goes and recruits Gabriel and is like, hey, listen, buddy, these Lords of Shadow are bad news. You need to go out and kill them. I'm going to help you out with this. And we're going to make sure that the world is saved. And so Gabriel's like totally down for this because it turns out the forces of evil have caused quite a bit of tragedy in his life. It turns out his beloved wife was brutally murdered by the evil forces of darkness and her soul was trapped for all eternity. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. She basically ended up getting stuck in limbo. And apparently... Zobek was able to find out about Gabriel because her spirit came to him in a dream and said, hey, you need, to, you need to recruit Gabriel. I have a message for him. He's the one who's going to save the world. So, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Gabriel is armed with something called the Combat Cross. Think of it as a holy cross that for some reason has a retractable whip inside of it. That sure. allows him to do crazy whip-like things is imbued with holy power, and he is the only master of it. So, Gabriel ends up going out to this forest to look for somebody called the Guardian of the Lake, which he does meet. This person's name is Pan, and Pan is a person who can communicate with the dead. Now, Gabriel needs his help in order to communicate with his wife, Marie, because once again, she has a message for him. So, Pan is like, all right, yeah, sure, you seem like a, you seem like a good holy guy who's right with God. Come with me. So he crosses the lake, communicates with Marie, who's like, hey, good to see you again. Sorry about the whole dying thing. <laughs> I just let you know that uh, things are about to get real, real bad. Uh, I, these spirits have told me that you are going to be the key to disp- dispelling the power of the Lord's shadow. You're going to be the world's salvation. Listen to Zobek. He's like, okay, cool. So Zobek tells him once again about the the prophecy of a pure-hearted warrior who will claim the Lord's a shadow power to overcome evil. And he's like, let's go and let's get this done. We got to go to the Land of Lycans to do this. So Gabriel journeys to the Land of Lycans uh, and ends up beating a couple of uh, heroes who are going to help him out. First is the Black Knight, whose name is Golem, who's uh, who's the protector of a of a blind woman by the name of Claudia. My apologies. I said, some reason I put, I said blind when it's actually mute. She is mute. Oh. Yes, Claudia is special in that she can communicate uh, telepathically, read minds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And together with uh, Golem, they've been basically capturing, defeating and capturing evil, evil souls. So Claudia reads Gabriel's mind. It's like, oh, you're here to basically help defeat the, the Lords of Shadow. Yeah, I'm totally down to help you. We're going to join you on your quest. And so they go and, like, they rest at a house at night, and all of a sudden, Gabriel wakes up after a bad dream and finds that, um, uh, oh, hey, he's, uh, stabbed her to death. Oh. Whoops. Huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so, like, 
you know, the Black Knight wakes up and is like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Attacks him, and Gabriel has to kill him. So uh, Gabriel kills him, and uh, he takes uh, the Black Knight's gauntlet, which is imbued with magic power, after Pan shows up and is like, hey, you're going to need that. <laughs> <laughs> and he also, Pan also warns him, hey, listen, like, there's a dark power that's overtaking you. You better be careful. It can corrupt you. And so Gabriel's like, well, it seems like there's already some crazy things going on here. Yeah, a little right. bit. Seems so, already a little corrupted. Yeah, just a bit, right? So Gabriel bur buries Claudia and continues on his journey. And in the land of the Lycans, he runs into the Dark Lord of Lycans, a man by the name of Cornell. A lot of references to previous Castlevania games, as you could probably uh -huh. imagine. So Fair enough, yeah. makes sense that, that the leader of the Lycans is going to be named Cornell. So Cornell's like, oh, hey, Gabriel, uh, how's it going? So you're probably wondering about about uh, your your brotherhood, you know, the brother, you know, the order that you're a part of. Well, fun fact about them, they were founded by three people. And their whole thing is that their whole job was to defeat the spawns of Satan and in order to curry God's favor. And they became so powerful that they got imbued with God's love and power. So. And with that, they were actually able to ascend to a level of power that was only second to God. Isn't that crazy? Okay. That's crazy. Anyways, when that all happened, they left behind this mask called the God's Mask. I have a piece of it. With it, you might be able to gain the power to defeat the Lords of Shadow itself. So um, let's get into a stupid fight. Okay, cool. You won. Great. Here's a piece of the mask. So also, did, it, did they just have a stupid fight because he's not going to show up again in the game and this was the only chance you'd have to have a boss fight against him? Yep, pretty much. Cool. <laughs> you got it. So Gabriel gets the piece of the mask and he's told that another piece of the mask is in the land of the vampires. Uh, so he goes to the vampire castle in the, that's located in the land of the necromancers and he meets up with Zobek again. So they go and grab some sacred relics that are going to help them fight the vampires. Uh, get into a fight with said vampires almost immediately. <laughs> Burn down a village. Okay, sure. <laughs> and basically rescue a bunch of villages who've been trapped by the vampires. Uh, they eventually learn that these vampires are being led by a master vampire by the name of Carmilla. Uh, and so they go to Carmilla's castle. Okay, sorry. So I have a question. Yes. Uh, the land of vampires. Um, yes. This is presumably the area where vampires live. Correct. And humans also live here? Well, I mean, you have to have somebody to feed on. Right. Um, are the humans, like, trapped like cattle? There seems to be the implication that they are, yes. Interesting. Okay, fair. Yeah. So, they go to the castle and they meet Carmilla and the young vampire ward of hers named Laura. Uh... So Carmilla is like kind of like, you know, a vampire mastermind. Like she literally mm -hmm. challenges Gabriel to a game of vampire chess. Okay, which, sure. Yeah, yeah, which seems like an interesting take on chess. And after like that goes wrong for Carmilla, she sicks Laura on him to try to kill kill Gabriel. Uh, this doesn't go well for Laura, but like Gabriel doesn't kill her because Laura like realizes, oh, you're actually on an important holy quest. Okay, cool. I'm going to let you do this because I'm not really a fan of Carmilla anyways. Go and do your thing. So, okay, he goes sure. and, so he goes and encounters Carmilla at the top of the castle. Like They get into a big old giant fight and he kills her and gets the second piece of the god mask. So 
Gabriel takes a piece of God Mask, departs to the land of necromancers, the land of vampires, uh, and through a portal that Pan makes. Pan's like, hey, come through this. Don't worry, I'm going to get you where you need to go. And after going through the portal, Pan's like, okay, now I'm going to kill you. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, so Gabriel's like, I think this is unnecessary. And they get into a giant fight, and yeah, Gabriel kills him. Now, as uh, Gabriel's dying, he's like, oh yeah, no, I just, uh, I had to die, because one of us has to die in order to open a pathway to help with your journey, so you can find the last piece of the mask. It's dumb, I know, but don't worry about <laughs> it. So, Gabriel goes through this portal that ends up being created from Pan's death. He ends up encountering uh, basically a giant monster, kills it, and gets the last piece of the god mask. Mm. So he gets all this and is like, okay, great. Well, I can defeat the uh, the Lords of Shadow. And that's when Zopek shows up and is like, hey, Gabriel, I got this other mask. It's called the Devil Mask. Kind of crazy, huh? Huh. Say, funny thing about those three warriors. Um, you know, one of them's name was Zobek. You know, the Founded Brotherhood. One of them's name was Zobek. Mm. The other was a name that I didn't bother writing down. And the third was name was Carmilla. Kind of crazy, huh? They they all had pieces of the, the god mask, huh? Yeah. Kind of like they ended up getting corrupted by the evil they ended up absorbing and whatnot. Kind of wild. Anyways, I was basically using you in order to get the get the pieces of the god mask. Right, sure. How's uh how how you how you feel about that? Uh also by the way, I said everything in motion that got your wife killed as well, so you would end up going on this journey. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Hope you like that. So they end up getting into a big, giant fight and all that. And, um, and it turns out that, like, through all this, all this machinations and whatnot, Zobek was wanting to basically get the power of Satan himself. <laughs> and he was hoping that by uh, using Gabriel, he would be able to go into hell itself and get Satan's power from him. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, Satan okay. apparently... Go ahead. So, sorry, where where does the devil's mask come from? I'm not actually sure. <laughs> okay, he just has it. Yeah, he just... He, he got it somewhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is oh, it as right. strong as the god's mask? Oh, wait, I'm stupid. He went into hell, and he, that's where he got the, the devil's mask. Okay. Yes. And yeah, it's basically as powerful as the God's Mask. Wait, didn't he need the God's Mask to go into hell? I think it's more like he just wants both to get all the power. Okay. Yes. Yeah, just to clarify that. Okay. Yeah, things get kind of muddy at the end because they just kind of just drop a lot of exposition on you at the last minute. Right. It's real. It's good. It's Mm. good. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, all that's going on. Zopek's like, yeah, I'm going to have the power of Satan himself. And then Satan shows up and is like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and Satan's like, listen, Zobek, you think you're the one who's actually been manipulating everything? Actually, I've been manipulating everything. Sure, yeah. I manipulated you to start manipulating Gabriel in order to basically get all the mass together and all the power together and imbued you with the power of knowledge of hell just so I could Basically, get all that power and then use that to take revenge on God and return to the heavens. Okay, sure. So Zobek, yeah. yeah. So Zobek's like, "Oh, this is bad. I'm out." And he just leaves. He's like, "God, <laughs> he I just leaves." Yeah, I'm not. He's like, "I'm not dealing with this. I can't fight Satan." 
<laughs> I mean, okay, sure, fair. But you know who can? Gabriel can. I guess. Yeah, Gabriel gets that god, gets the god's mask, gets imbued with holy power, gets chosen by God himself, and then immediately slays Satan. And so, okay. yeah, and doing that, he releases basically all the souls trapped in limbo, including his wife, Marie. So Marie shows up and is like, Gabriel, thank you. I love you. I get to go to heaven now. That's rad. And Gabriel's like, hey, can I use the god mask to break you back? I, I heard from Zobek I was able to do that. She's like, no, you can, you're just really just able to see through God's eyes. Like, it doesn't actually grant power. Like, God gave you power to help defeat Satan, but mm. the mask itself actually doesn't do anything. It just allows you to see through God's eyes. Sucks, doesn't it? Anyways, I'm, Wh bye. Wait, what? Yeah. Th then what, what was the point of any of this? <laughs> the point seems to be that Satan tricked Zobek into getting all the powers of hell and the mass together so he could take all that power to defeat God. Wait, it turns out it was completely pointless because it turns out that wasn't actually going to give him power in the first place. Wait, why did Satan not have all the powers of hell? Well, I mean, he does have all the powers of hell, but he just gave it to Zobek temporarily and then took it back after Zobek, you know, got a hold of God's mask and theoretically got God's power as well. Okay. But they doesn't have God's power. Turns out, no. So that the whole thing was used, Satan's entire plan was in vain. Yeah, no, it, it turns out that basically everything was set up so that Gabriel, infused with the power of God, could show up and kill Satan. So I, huh. I guess maybe it's like Zobek was manipulating things behind the scenes, but actually Satan was, but then actually God was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Couldn't God just, like, Send an angel or something? Yeah, Gabriel. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's Lord's Shadow. Fine. Okay. So where's Dracula? Funny. So there's two DLCs that happen after this. Oh God! Did they <laughs> just release the game without Dracula? They released the game without Dracula. Correct. Jeez. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, I guess that's actually not true, because if I remember correctly, after the ending credits, well, it makes more sense to go in this order. Okay, so, sure. DLC number one. Basically, it starts off with Gabriel going off on a mission for the Brotherhood, kissing his wife, Marie, goodbye for the last time before she dies. Mm. And it turns out that she's actually pregnant. She gives birth shortly afterwards, then gets murdered. Uh-huh. Uh, that's her contribution to the DLC. Got it. So, essentially, Gabriel learns that there's this powerful being called the Forgotten One that is trying to escape, and he needs to go and, like, deal with it. And so, he ends up uh, going to, you know, fight this thing and runs it to Laura, uh, Camilla's vampire ward. He's like, hey, yeah, listen, I'm going to help you out with this. This guy's bad news. Mm. We need to deal with this. Bad news, though, is that the only way to get into his realm is that you need to be evil. And unfortunately, you're pure good. But I got a plan. What if you drank my blood and turned into a vampire, imbuing you with evil? I don't allow you to go in there and defeat him. And Gabriel's like, I'm not really on board with this plan, but it seems like the only thing I could do, so all right. So he turns himself into a vampire, goes in and defeats the Forgotten One. Now, in it, though, he ends up destroying his combat cross in the process, but he, since now he feels like he's an evil being, he's like, well, I don't longer deserve the right to wield this, and so he leaves. Wait, okay, I'm sorry, is this DLC a prequel or a sequel? 
It starts as a prequel and then it ends as a sequel. Okay. Yes. So that leads us to the epilogue. So after the ending credits, we flash forward to a modern day looking city. And we see that Zobek is alive. He ends up going into a cathedral and goes up into the rafters where he sees Gabriel, who is immortal after he became a vampire. It mm. turns out he became a very successful vampire and he took on the name Dracul. And Zobek is like, ah, so I see you've taken the power of Satan for yourself. And Dracula's like, what, what are you doing here? Why are you bother bothering me? And Zobek's like, well, it turns out since you've been away, the acolytes of Satan are preparing for his return. And when he returns, he's going to kill both of us. And you're the only one who can kill Satan. I need this, you to get off this, your ass and kill Satan for me. This sucks. <laughs> This sucks. <laughs> oh, this... Okay, this was honestly fine for a while. It was a perfectly serviceable, dark fantasy, like, berserk-loving thing mm -hmm. for most of it. Yeah. And then it just became Dante's Inferno? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of halfway through, yeah. And then now it's like, oh, I get Dracula. Then it became Legacy of Cain. Yeah, I did. But like it? a bad one. <laughs> like a stupid one. And I love Legacy of Cain, but that's a stupid series. But this is stupider. Mm hmm. It somehow manages it. Yeah, it's a twist that I don't really like. <laughs> like, I, I think on paper, I like the idea of Belmont equal Dracula. It's interesting. It's an interesting take. Um, I generally prefer them as like diametrically opposed forces, but mm -hmm. one who is both could be interesting. Mm -hmm. But but like Dracula Belmont, you have to kill Satan. What? The f Which also, by the way, didn't you already kill Satan? Well, I guess you got to kill him harder now. Yeah, he's going to be revived. I know that's usually Dracula's thing, but what if it was Satan's thing? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's also really weird because it's like, but wait, don't you, like, it is confirmed in this game that Gabriel gets the power of Satan. Like, he literally takes right. Satan's power, too. So it's like, right. what's, Satan, what's Satan gonna do to you? What's, yeah. what are you so worried about? So, okay, so the timeline of events is Gabriel does all the stuff mm -hmm. and then goes after the, he defeats Satan, he gains God's power. Mm-hmm. Not because of the God mask, but just because God blessed him with God's power. Yes. Defeated Satan. Mm -hmm. Went after the Forgotten One. Became mm -hmm. a vampire. Defeated the Forgotten One. Lost the combat cross. Went back and took Satan's power. Became Dracul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did vampire stuff for a while. Mm -hmm. And then Satan is coming back. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, say it's about to try to fight a dude who has not only his power, but also is blessed by God. And I'm yeah. Sure gonna, I'm sure it's going to go well for him. It's, it's going to go great. Like you said, does Satan have Satan's power? You know, it's going to be questionable, <laughs> as it turns out. It's going to be very, very questionable when we get the Lords of Shadow 2. Like, I feel like this would at least be marginally better if Gabriel hadn't taken Satan's power. Like, that wasn't a thing he could do. Mm -hmm. If he just had like darkness powers, 
yeah, it would make a little bit more sense, but no, he he totally just has Satan's powers. He has the okay. power of Satan. Shouldn't that invalidate any video game? <laughs> You'd think so, but... Oh, no, don't worry. They're going to come with real contrived reason in Lords of Shadow 2 for you to just not be the most powerful thing and also not okay. the most evil thing. I feel like Satan kind of sucks. Oh, and yeah, no. This, <laughs> in his series, Satan is... He's really lame, as it turns out. And you gotta uh, work hard to make Satan lame, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, you really gotta reach in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's Lords of Shadow. Once again, a game that sold relatively well and was relatively well-received. Mm. And so because of that, two follow-ups were made. One is going to be a kind of an in-between game, more or less to just be like, what's Dracula been up to between uh -huh. Lords of Shadow and Lords of Shadow 2? And that game is going to be something that's released for, at first, the Nintendo 3DS, and then later kind of ported to everything else as an HD version. Right. Called Castlevania, Lords of Shadow, Mirror of Fate. This is an interesting game in that it is a game with four playable characters, uh, has a timeline that goes through it that pops all over the place in a way that uh, seems unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And also is kind of Symphony of the Night-like in the sense of, like, it has a castle that you explore and have to, like, double back on. Huh, it doesn't right. quite go all the way with it. Uh, <sighs> it's also a game that runs like ass on the 3DS. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, the HD version, thankfully, runs just fine, which you can actually get on Steam, if I remember correctly, if for one reason or another you want to play it generally regarded as a decent video game uh, hmm. and really more, say, a proof of concept for what a co that company could do if they were to make a dedicated Metroid or Symphony of Night style title. Right. Uh, or Shadowing. Hmm. So the plot of Lords of Shadow, Mirror of Fate, basically centers around what Dracula is up to. And it starts really just with a, a prologue of Gabriel Belmont basically uh, going to fight uh, something called the Daemon Lord and, like, kind of just deal with that. But in the meantime, his wife, Mary, gives birth to a son in secret by the name of Trevor. The Brotherhood of Light asks Mary to, like, hide this child from Gabriel because he's like, oh, his, his fate is going to be that nothing of darkness, and he cannot corrupt this child of light. I feel like that's making a lot of assumptions, but okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So then we get to our first actual... Also, wait, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are, are, his, are his two wives' names Marie and Mary? Oh, did I accidentally say... I've actually kind of, like, mixed up the pronunciations. That's me just being stupid. They're both named Mary. M-A-R-I-E. <sighs> okay, dude has a type, I guess. No, no, no it's, the, it's the same woman. Oh, wait. Okay, where in the timeline is this? No, no. I mean, this is this is ten forty. Okay, this yeah. is this is the same. This is the same child being born. Yeah, this is the same child being born. Okay, I see. Yeah, this is this is the child from the DLC that you see is well, you don't see the child, but you see Mary being pregnant and be and her being like old belly. Now I'm gonna just right. disappear from the DLC for the rest of the game. Okay, got it. They they took an unnecessarily long amount of time to establish this as a thing. Yes, basically. Okay, got it. So Trevor, Trevor's around now. Okay. Yeah, Trevor's around. So let's not deal with him and instead deal with his son, Simon. <laughs> All right, sure. So 
Simon Belmont basically is a sad boy because his mom, Sypha, was killed by monsters sent by Dracula. Sure. And so he's like all sorts of upset about this. And he's like, I'm going to go to Dracula's castle and defeat him because it turns out I heard that a holy relic is in there. My father, Trevor, had this thing called the Combat Cross. If I can go get that, I can murder Dracula with it. And I know this is my fate to do this because I have the Shard of the Mirror and it is showing that my fate is to go to this castle and do the thing. So he goes to do that and he immediately gets beset by monsters and has to be immediately rescued by a white-haired vampire wearing, you know, like a nice black coat with gold like, <sighs> frills and whatnot. So Simon's like, who are they, you? They resisted for one game, huh? They resisted for one game. Yes, they one did. One whole game. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so Simon's like, who are you? And he's like, just leaves. So Simon's like, I don't know what that is, but he finds his father's combat cross and starts using it to fight his way through. Uh, ends up getting attacked by a necromancer uh, who's trying to get this weapon back for his master, Zobek. And Simon's like, no, you can't have that. Kills a necromancer with the help of this silver-haired figure again, who introduces himself as Alucard, the son of Dracula. Alucard in this game basically looks like his Soten counterpart, except mm. he has he has a much more like solid jaw to the man. Like cowardice. Just, right? Right? Yeah. Um, Absolute cowardice. Alex, are you familiar with I, I I'm trying to think if it was Draken Guard or if it was the first Nier, where like in Japan he looks like an anime boy, but in mm. In the United States, they were like, no, he has to look manly. I, I Yeah, I think you're thinking of Nier, where they rewrote um, Nier, or they rewrote uh, the guy to, instead of, yeah, being a, like, teenage boy, was an older man, and the uh, his female companion went from being his sister to his daughter. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And they like, even redesigned his appearance where he like, has, like, a very chiseled jaw and whatnot. Mm -hmm. yeah. They basically did that with Alucard. It's hilarious. Oh, I'm sorry, that character has no name. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Ostensibly, his name is Nier. Yeah, but, um, yes. The, the creator of Nier has been on record as saying, no, his name is not Nier, his name is Protagonist. Just gonna, just gonna just sit there for that one, let that stew in silence in my, in my brain? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> so... They end up, like, teaming up. They fight a succubus uh, and kill her. Uh, and they're about to ascend up to the throne room to face Dracula himself. But before that happens, the game goes back in time. And now we're playing as Alucard. Sure, okay. Yeah, which is like, why are we doing this? <laughs> so Alucard would be Trevor's half-brother in this series. Uh, maybe, yeah, something like that. So... Alucard basically is like, wakes up from his tomb and is like, why am I a vampire? Why is this? Oh, this must oh. be because of Dracula. I'm going to go murder him in revenge because I don't want to be a vampire. So he goes through there and like he defeats like a bunch of monsters and whatnot. He runs into Simon and is like, what's this idiot doing here? Saves him a couple times. Uh, and like he ends up and then like eventually fast forwards back to the time right before they where they team up and go up to fight Dracula. So mm -hmm. they go up there. They basically start talking to Dracula. Dracula basically taunts him. was like, you're not going to be able to do anything to me. I am Dracula. I am the most badass person in existence. 
oh no, you're beating me to death. <laughs> so they end up they end up like beating the heck out of him and like end up killing Dracula. Although Alucard's oh. like, huh, how he died is not typical for most vampires. Wonder wonder why that is. Mm. Uh. And so like in there, they do see that there's this giant mirror in there that's missing a piece, and it turns out that is the titular mirror of fate. Mm-hmm. And, like, Alucard is like, oh, yeah, the mirror told you to come here. Yeah, the mirror is weird like that. It sometimes just manipulates people to do things they wouldn't otherwise do. You probably weren't really ever meant to come here, but, hey, I guess it worked out. Uh, Simon's also like, Alucard, like, who are you anyways? He's like, listen, man, I can't tell you that. Oh, okay, and- never mind, I see now. Yeah, right? Because you go uh-huh. to Act 3, which is Trevor Belmont's story. There we go, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, basically, years before Simon's journey, Trevor is like, my wife, Sypha, is like, you know, going crazy. Our, you know, like, she's like, you know, we're being attacked by monsters. My son's over here, he's a baby. And then, like, you know, Sypha ends up getting murdered by monsters. And Trevor's like, okay, well... I gotta go and stop Dracula, because I know who Dracula is. He's my dad. Right. So Trevor goes to do that. Um, not before giving Simon a necklace that has a little piece of the magical mirror. So he sets all that up. Sure. Which he just has? Apparently so, yeah. He just, just okay. has it. Alright. So he ends up uh, going into the castle, uh, you know, fights a bunch of people, kills a bunch of witches. Uh, you know, ends up like somewhat creating and setting free some of the bosses you later fight as Simon. And then he encounters Dracula, and he's like, listen, I have a balance in me of light magic and dark magic. There's no way he can defeat me. And he nearly defeats Dracula. But then Dracula, in the last minute, stabs him in the chest with his own combat cross. Like, he takes from Trevor and stabs him with it. And okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, and he's like, ha, look at that. Bad boy. Idiot. You can't beat me. I'm Dracula. And Trevor's like, that's okay, this was my fate anyways, was to die by my father's hand. And Dracula's like, I'm sorry, what? Looks over to the Mirror of Fate, Mirror of Fate's like, basically eight magic eight balls, yeah, he's your son. So Dracula's like, shit. Uh Uh-oh, better fix this. I gotta fix it, have my blood. Oh, you're a vampire now. I'm gonna put you in this coffin, I'm gonna write on their a la carte, so... People don't think you're evil for becoming a vampire and your name and reputation are ruined. And this is going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> How did Trevor get the balance of light and darkness, though? I guess just because he is the descendant of Gabriel. But Gabriel was like pure of heart and blessed by God. Yeah, but I mean, he got darkness powers later and I don't know, maybe he just somehow magically the, leached over. I, mm. that just That just backwards inherits yeah sure it just That's... leeches back into your descendants dna mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like mnemonic memory it's yeah okay oh boy that hiding the child thing worked real well yeah good job brotherhood of light it, it turns out the brotherhood of light's gonna be very bad in their jobs we're gonna learn right. lords of shadow 2 uh literally within the first five minutes of that game that makes sense so yeah Back in the present, um, after Simon Alucard part ways, Alucard, like, you know, searches through, like, Dracula's throne room and finds the broken, like, like pieces of the combat cross. Like, the original, original combat cross. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I could probably use this to make something that can kill vampires. Like, some sort of 
vampire killer. killer. Yeah, there it is. Which is exactly what he does. And so he does that. The castle like crumbles and Alucard transforms the bat and flies away. And that's Mirror of Fate. So yeah, a game that's... Uh, it, I don't know why they really needed to... I, I guess it's all in service of the big plot, plot twist, but boy, they right. really jump all over the place for kind of no reason, it feels yeah, like. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. Like, my problem with this is it's all very serviceable mm-hmm. and functional, except for, like, it feels like each game they keep going for a twist that's very dumb. Yeah, right? And they need to wrap everything that was working around this dumb twist. Mm-hmm. But the issue is that in the process of doing this, they are also reconvoluting their fr- their fresh slate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, they're, they're sort of making it stupid again. Yeah, it's sort of amazing how it, they literally speed run, just making this thing an absolute mess. Yeah. Like, to the point, like, writing, like, a synopsis of this is kind of difficult. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's like, it's like, yeah, like, okay, well, he has go- power of God, but he doesn't actually have the power of God. Send the God's mask. Well, actually, the God's mask doesn't have the power of God. It just allows you to see through God's eyes. And Gabriel is just blessed with God's power. That's what allows him to defeat Satan. And he takes Satan's power. So he has the power of light and darkness. But then he becomes a vampire. It's, yeah, it's all stupid. Right, yeah. Like, he... His son, he he has the he has a son. It's the it's the first of the Belmont line. This could become vampire killers, but then he becomes Alucard. But he doesn't. He refuses to tell Simon that. But we only learn that later. It, yeah, it's it's all it's all sorts it's, of a mess. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that leads us to Lords of Shadow Two, released on February twenty fifth, twenty fourteen. A game whose development that. For just the sake of brevity, we're not going to get into too deeply because it doesn't really affect the plot too much. Mm. But it was uh, fraught, to say the least. <laughs> it was a game where there was uh, multiple leaks beforehand from people inside Mercury's team being like, this game is just not coming together. This game is an mm. absolute mess and mm. uh, it needs more time. But Konami wants it out now. So right. it's coming out now. And uh, that is definitely reflected in the Metacritic for this game. A very solid 60 out of 100. Mm. Oh, my apologies. A 63 out of 100 for the PS3, 58 out of 100 for the PC. And for some reason, the Xbox 360 has a 70 out of 100. Hmm. Good on you, Xbox 360 version. I guess, or else Xbox exclusive magazines were more charitable. Because, I don't know, they were tired of four Gears of War games. Perhaps, perhaps. Does anyone remember that they put four Gears of War games on the 360? God, uh, the 360's library is nuts. I really like that last uh, Gears of War game because it was it was literally just like, we need to put out one more of these so we can finish up our contract. Right. So we're going to make it about Bayard. Yeah. Everyone loves him. It's funny, Bungie did basically the same thing with Halo at the exact same time. Yeah, weird, huh? <laughs> wow, I can't believe the Xbox One's library just fell apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was rough. It was very, very rough. Yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, needless to say, this game just, uh, yeah, one source alleged that development process has been, a, a quote, a degree of hell and mm-hmm. laid the blame upon games director Enrique Alvarez. Alvarez was alleged led the development based on his personal criteria, while completely overlooking programmers, designers, and artists, basically everybody working on the game, I guess. Nice. Good. 
Yeah, so these are anonymous, sor- anonymous sources, so I, d- I don't know how true this is, but hey. Right. You know, uh, it, it, needless to say, it, uh, it this game was not well-received. Right. So let's talk about the plot of Lords of Shadow 2. So yes, the game starts right after Mirror of Fate. Draco's just basically been revived, Power Satan and whatnot, and he's hanging out mm. in his throne room. He's drinking some blood, he's having a good old time, and he's rudely interrupted by an army led by the Brotherhood of Light. They're here to murder him, and Dracula's not having any of it. So he goes outside and wrecks them all, except for one paladin who's like, that's okay, I'm going to use God's power, I'm going to pray on this cross, and he's going to destroy you of God's love. And then Dracula's like, listen, idiot, I was, I am God's chosen. Takes the cross, prays on it, obliterates all the brotherhood and the paladin of holy power, and is like, you people are chumps. Wow. Mm-hmm. I... I feel like he shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, right. But no, apparently he can. Okay. Yeah, because like it's also established that Dracula actually is a bad guy, and he's going out and he's like eating people essentially. Right. Why didn't he lose God's blessing at any point? I mean, you know, maybe those people sucked and needed to die. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, this all happens. Alucard's behind him, like watching as this happens, and then all of a sudden we flash forward to the present day in a modern city as Dracula awakens, weakened after centuries of sleep in a modern metropolis called Castlevania City. Shut up. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> what? The map literally says Castlevania City. Even the original NES game never even said the word Castlevania in lore. I think that is technically not true, but yes, it's not, okay. it's not really mentioned that much. I think Castlevania is occasionally referred to as Dracula's castle, but. Okay, that's also stupid. I take it back, but this is worse. <laughs> yes, this is worse. So yeah, this is an Eastern European metropolis. Basically, Dracula's castle crumbled. A small village called Weigel was built around it. And then eventually they just built a giant city around this evil haunted castle. Sure. Which sounds cool, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, Dracula's awoken by Zobek, who's like, hey, listen, listen, man, I've been looking for you for centuries. Also, I guess I'm immortal. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, act like the evil are trying to revive scene. They're going to come and kill us. We need to do something. Please do something. Please do something about this. Please do something about this. And Dracula's like, what are you going to do for me? And Zobek's like, listen, I know you hate living, and you, but you can't die because you're immortal. I have this reforged combat cross called the Vampire Killer. I will use it to kill you if you agree to kill Satan, or at least stop him from being reborn. One or the other. And so Dracula's like, cool, I guess. So he has to go and like get basically all his equipment back and basically get his mojo back, because he's been sleeping for a long time, hasn't eaten any people. Right. And so he goes outside and immediately runs to the ghost of his young son, Trevor, who's like, hey, Dad, you want to follow me? If you do, you'll find your stuff. So he does. <laughs> Like, he does have to find, like, his stuff, like, his, like, his void sword and all this other uh-huh. stuff. And, like, soon after that, like, Zobek shows up and is like, stop following the kid. we open this portal to the science district because you need to find Dracula's, acu- not Dracula, Satan's acolytes. So, Satan's acolytes are not just Satan worshippers. They are literally the spawn of Satan itself. Like, literally Satan's children. Right. Okay. So, one of them is a goth scientist by the name of Raisa Volkova who's the head of, oh boy, how am I going to pronounce this? Biochemic. Uh, Biochemic is a corporation that, you know, 
basically creates medicines and is a world leader and all that. And just like any Japanese game that has a biomedical company, they're evil. Yeah. I don't even know what they're trying to do anymore. <laughs> We're like an hour into this game and I've already lost the thread of what they're trying to establish. Well, they're trying to establish that all these evil people are creating things like viruses to turn people to demons that are like in the guise of like vaccines and whatnot and like make like a whole bunch of monsters to help out Satan when he comes back to take over the world and fight God. Okay. They have already ripped off like Legacy of Cain, mm -hmm. God of War, and the Devil May Cry reboot. Yeah. And now Resident Evil too, with an evil biomedical company. Yeah. yeah. I, DMC also had one of those, except they worked through soda. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Well, you know. It's a Capcom staple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Oh god. Okay. <laughs> nothing but derivative. Okay, so sure, we're in the science district now. Fight the evil Satan spawn running a set. Why do Satan spawns need science? Oh, you know, because well, they need to create viruses that can turn people into demons. Shouldn't they just be able to do that? You know, you would think so, but I mean, just like how in the previous series, Dracula needed his Devil Forge Masters, here he Satan needs the top minds in science. You know? Yeah, sure. Okay. Listen, Satan's a busy man being dead, Alex. How's he going to make monsters? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or alive? I'm not really sure where he's I, that's at right unclear. now. Yeah. So Dracula basically fights. Rachel, like, basically gives herself the virus and turns herself into a demon. Dracula knocks her out because he's not quite sure she's an acolyte yet, but he's like, she seems to know something about Satan. I'm going to take her back to Zobek for questioning. So Zobek is like not able to get any answers from her though. And he's like, hey Dracula, if you go back and get like the cure for this, maybe we can turn her back into human. We can kind of, you know, get some answers from her. So Dracula goes back to um their headquarters and like he ends up running to Zobek's bodyguard who tells him, Hey, listen, I'm here to basically help you fight through here and basically keep you alive. So they basically team up and they're gonna team up throughout the game. Uh, he also runs into Ghost Trevor again, who tells him hey, my mother Mary's in trouble. And like he just transports Dracula into the past? Like, at first he thinks it's a dream, but no, uh -huh. it's actually the past. Okay. Yeah, and he encounters Carmilla there. And Carmilla is like, yeah, no, I'm going to basically steal your powers, your, your Satan powers, and I'm going to use that to revive myself. It's going to be bad for you. But it doesn't go well, though. He defeats Carmilla. He, like, meets up with Mary again, who's like, hey, it's good to see you again. You look good as a Dracula. By the way, God's actually a good person. I know you're not going to like hearing that, D Dracula Gabriel, but he is. Anyways, I'm going to die again. And so that I'm... all happens. Okay, wait, hang on. Okay, what time period was that? Oh, it was the past, basically around you know, 1047 or whatever. Okay, C Carmilla was dead? You see, that's the real weird thing, because they, they go like, Dracula's like, is this a dream? But no, later it's established, though, that actually is the past. You're going into the past, but... Okay. It, it's more like, maybe they're like in kind of like past, but it's limbo. Right, like time-dissociated mm -hmm. manifestation of the past. Because, okay, it, it sounded like Marie was alive, but Carmilla was dead. Yeah, right. It's they don't really establish that too clearly. 
my best interpretation of it is that they are in the past, but in the afterlife. Okay. Yeah. Take that as you will. It's not going to get any People just don't die in this series. No, they don't, actually. They just hang around forever. Death doesn't really seem like a big deal, to be honest. Right. Which he hasn't shown up yet, so maybe that's why. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it's surprising that death hasn't shown up yet, at least in a storyline way. Yeah. So yeah, like, Dracula ends up coming back to the future, kind of upset that he was told that God's actually a good person, um, or a good creator or something. And, you know, he ends up getting the antidote. He goes back to um, Raisa, gives her the antidote, and it turns out, no, she's an acolyte, and it turns out her true form is a demon, so she turns into another demon. Oh, And Dracula has to kill her, and it's like, oh, well, I guess we killed the first acolyte. Great. Cool. Also, was... Dracula slash Gabriel's faith in God ever in question? Like, where's that coming from? I, yeah, it never really. He just sort of became evil in between Lords of Shadow and Mirror right. of Fate. Like, we saw him drink the blood and establish that, okay, this will make you a vampire and, like, and not like a little evil. good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I guess like that basically is what establishes him as being like, well, maybe God's not so cool after all. Right, but so like he lost his faith but kept God's blessing? Yeah, right? What? <laughs> Which, I mean, okay, to be fair, isn't totally out of line with Belmont behavior, but still. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe God's like, well, I, he's, he's been kind of a jerk, but he did kill Satan. Yeah, got us. He he gets another 500 years on the blessing train for that. Yeah, pretty much, you know, really grandfathered in on that one. Uh, yeah, it's it's dumb. It's dumb. Okay. So, you know, he kills Raisa. Uh, Ghost Trevor shows, Ghost Baby Boy Trevor shows up again. Is like, basically like playing chess and is like, Dad, can you find him pieces of the mirror of fate for me? And he's like, uh, yeah, sure, I guess. And he gets transported <laughs> back into the past to his castle. Okay. So he has to, like, slay a bunch of Brotherhood Light members and whatnot, gets a bunch of pieces of the, of the Mirror of Fate, except for one shard that it turns out is being held by the current head of the Brotherhood in the future. So it goes back to the future, and it turns out that leader of the Brotherhood is his descendant, Victor Belmont. So he encounters Victor, and they get into a big old giant fight, and they fall into the catacombs below the city. And, like, he's about to kill Victor when he sees that there's just a bunch of people around. And he's like, oh, huh, why are they all down here? And Victor's like, it's because of the virus that the that Risa, like, unleashed. It's turned people into demons. They, they're down here to be safe. And so uh, Dracula's like, oh, I guess I really shouldn't kill you in front of these people. Maybe you're not really that bad of a guy. I, okay, listen, let me make you a deal. Wait, what is anyone's moral alignment in this story? It is very confusing. (laughs) Dracula is like, like Dracula literally like at the start of the game murders a family, drinks their blood. And then then kills a dude with his own cross. And now he's like, "Uh, maybe I shouldn't kill you in front of these demon people. Yeah. Well, to be fair, aren't demons quite yet. But yeah. Yeah, basically, he's he's a conflicted man. He's a conflicted soul. Right. Okay. between evil and and good. God. Mm. <laughs> mm. So yeah, he cuts a deal with Victor. Basically, he's like, 
Hey, listen, if you help me flesh out the rest of the acolytes, um, I will give you the cure uh, for the virus that's happening. So he, he does that. He gives him the cure. And Victor's like, all right, yeah, using we'll use use bait. We'll lure him out and then we'll all fight him together. And that's exactly what they do. Uh, with the help of like Zobek's bodyguard and Victor, he manages to kill like some of the acolytes. Unfortunately, Victor dies during the fighting, and like Dracula takes the last shard of the mirror from him and leaves, and, like reforms it. Um, reforming it causes like his little ghost Trevor boy to be basically infused with like Dracula's evil side, forming a oh. doppelganger that he has to kill. Which, upon doing so, frees Ghost Trevor to be with his mother. Yay, he's free. You're probably asking yourself, though, but wait, is how does that mean Alucard's dead? Mm-hmm, yeah. Great question. Not really established. It's just there's a ghost, Trevor, and he's been free. Like, the opening of this game established Alucard. Yeah, yeah, right? Well, good news. Uh, Alucard is alive because uh, the bodyguard shows up and is like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm Alucard. What? What? <laughs> Who was the ghost then? A Trevor. But. <laughs> All right. There seems to be an implication that with Alucard becoming an evil demon person or, you know, becoming a Dracula right. himself, essentially mm -hmm. like the good part of his soul split off and died. And that's what ghost Trevor is. It's that doesn't make any sense. Weird. None of this game makes sense. It's great. Wow. <laughs> so, it turns out Alucard has been pulling the strings. So, it turns out, after Dracula basically murdered that dude with his own godly power uh, back in the past, mm -hmm. Alucard's like, hey, boy, this evil stuff is real bad. And, you know, we need to rid the world of evil. But in order to do that, you need to die. But I can't kill you. Only Gabriel Belmont can kill Dracula. Also, Dracula points out, if I die, Satan could come back and just assume my place, and Alucard's like, yeah, that's true, but don't worry, I have a plan for that. My plan is I'm going to put you to sleep with my sword, the Kissigrim, and then mm -hmm. while you're asleep, that's going to freak out Zobek and cause him to come out of hiding, and it's also going to cause a bunch of Satan worshippers to try to back bring back Satan. And what we'll do is we'll have Satan come back, be trapped on Earth, we'll murder Satan, we'll murder Zobek, and then I, Alucard, will use the Vampire Killer, which is made up of your old combat cross, of Gabriel's old combat cross. So mm -hmm. technically this is Gabriel killing Dracula, and I'll use it to kill you. That will rid the world of evil. He's so hopeful. He is, isn't he? <laughs> He's adorable. He's adorable. It's great. <laughs> Oh, man, he he thinks he's so smart, and this plan mm. is so great. <laughs> well, to be fair, Dracula's a rube and goes along with it. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, why wouldn't he? Yeah. Dracula doesn't care about anything at these points. like, yeah, sure, why not, whatever. Yeah, this seems like a good plan, why not? But yeah, he lets himself get stabbed, and he falls asleep, and he wakes up in the present day without his memories, and it's like, oh, okay, cool, I guess this is what's going on. Oh, yeah, um... They're told, he tells them all that. It's like, okay, let's go and uh, find this last acolyte. So they find his last acolyte. He summons Satan, which is like, okay, great. That's part of the plan. And Zobek shows up. He, and he's like aware of what's going on. He's like, you fool, you idiots. 
Why did you do this? You ruined my plans. I was manipulating things behind the scenes. I was going to use you to fight Saiyan, and when you killed Saiyan or he's killed you, I would take one of your powers and kill the other and get all the power. But now I can't do that. Ugh. This sucks. By the way, I am the physical manifestation of death. That is why I'm immortal. I'm going to transform into death now. So, hey, death's here now. Uh, Every time death takes a disguise, it sucks. Yeah, right? <laughs> death should just never take a disguise. Just, just never take a disguise. That That's a bad twist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it never works out. So, Dracula, like, goes into battling him alone, which... Death is like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. I'll fight you alone. I got a bone to pick with you, Dracula. Mm -hmm. It goes badly. He dies. Okay, cool. So Dracula and Alucard go and confront Satan, and Satan's like, oh, I bet you think you're so tough. Yeah, fighting me two-on-one. Well, what would happen if you have to fight your own son? And so he possesses Alucard, and so Dracula has to fight Alucard. Okay, so that's actually kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they get into a big old giant fight where they're jumping, like, from, like, floating pieces of rock in the sky and getting into, like, big old giant stupid fist fights and all that. But eventually, you know, with the power of both Satan and God, uh, Gabriel overcome, well, Dracula overcomes Satan and, like, knocks him to the ground. And Satan is like, huh, oh, yes. Yes, I bet you think you have, you have this all in hand, but I know you well. Dracula, I know you well, Gabriel. You can't kill your own son. And Dracula's like, yeah, I can. <laughs> and in a hilarious cutscene as he lifts up the vampire killer, he just starts to slowly impale his son. And like, it's literally slow-mo as Satan Alucard opened his mouth and started screaming angrily. Just, ah. And it goes on for so long. Wow. And then Satan's like, okay, I guess I better get out of his body and escape. So he escapes the body. But it turns out that was Dracula's plan all along. He's manipulating things behind the scenes. <sighs> he then immediately jumps, grabs Satan, impales him with the vampire killer, killing him, ridding the world of Satan forever. <laughs> Why did it work this time and not the last time? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So he goes, he revives Alucard, and the sun rises, and Alucard goes, what happens now? Dracula looks in the mirror of the fate to see the future, but then decides to crush it instead. He says, who knows what fate has in store? And then they literally ride off into the sunset slash sunrise slash cowboy metaphor. What happened did then all use the vampire killer to kill you? Eh, Dracula decided, eh, maybe not. Maybe we don't do that. Why? Because. Because I, I like living. Did he want to die? Was that established? It was sort of established at the start of the game that, yeah, he was kind of tired of immortality. But it turns out it wasn't really so much he was tired of immortality as much as he was tired of the world being filled with evil and him being a vessel of it. And so he was just like, put me to sleep. And then when he woke up and Zopek's like, oh, yeah, I know you just want to die. He's like, well, I don't remember anything. So sure, I guess. Oh, OK. Sh sure. Yeah. OK. Yeah, so, uh, this will come to surprise you. This game didn't do well. Yeah. It, uh, I don't have sales data on this, but you know what I do know? Mm-hmm. They didn't make another one of these. They sure the hell didn't. <laughs> or any more Castlevania games of 
worthwhile note ever again. Okay, I was about to say, they definitely did do more Castlevania games. But, um, yeah, Castlevania series, unfortunately, is going to go quite dormant after this. This was their third attempt at making a big-budget Castlevania game, and, well, this was the third time it didn't quite go well, so... Yeah. Konami wisely at this point went, well, this is kind of a niche series. Maybe we should move on from this. And to be fair, Konami's also going to start the process of being like, maybe we should just move on from video games. Yeah. As we, This is around the time that uh, Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, would also come out. They would force mm -hmm. out Hideo Kojima and basically stop making Metal Gear Solid games, with one notable exception. <laughs> notable is a strong word. Notable is a strong word. Now, this is not to say that the Castlevania IP wasn't used. Konami mm -hmm. does have a, well, at one point, robust gambling business, and there are a lot of really nice patchy slot machines that feature Castlevania characters done up in, like, really elaborate, like, 3D cutscenes and whatnot, because they have a little screen. They go hard on their patchy machines. I'll give them that. Oh, yeah. Like, they redid all the cutscenes of Metal Gear Solid 3, and they look amazing. Mm -hmm. it's, they look incredible. It is absolutely insane. They're willing to put production values behind the weirdest stuff. But yeah, needless to say, because of that, there wasn't really a whole lot of other Castlevania projects after this. Like, I have the uh, releases of everything, and it's, um... You want a spin-off slot game called Castlevania Valiant Garden? It's that. Guardian, that's there. Uh, also, Labyrinth of Love. Like, just the worst names. Ring of Heavens? <laughs> Labyrinth oh. of Fire? Oh, God. And the best part is, like, looking at this, like, none of this even looks even remotely, like, Dracula-like, which is, like, hilarious to me. <laughs> uh, although, uh, apparently, Ring of Heavens is lightly play based off of Curse of, uh, Curse of Darkness. And okay, that's a pull. Yeah, right? A very, very weird one. But yeah, literally, that is what they were doing past this, was doing just a whole lot of weird slot games. Now, that is until 2019. In 2019, they actually did a Castlevania video game, albeit a mobile gotcha experience. Yeah. I don't, I don't count it. I don't count it. <laughs> Just like I don't count Final Fantasy Brave Exio or the five other gotcha Final Fantasy Square made, hmm. or I don't count freaking fate grand order as a fate gate like no your gotcha games don't count mm -hmm. they are gambling they are they totally are but hey what if i told you that this was technically technically a sequel to the original timeline no one cares <laughs> funnily enough <laughs> it's... Neither, neither does cannot because they've ended service on this game before the story was completed so yeah great <laughs> The original timeline got so A, convoluted, and B, dead, mm. that, like, yeah, it's nice fan service, but, like, it's, it doesn't serve any purpose. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Also, telling stories through gotcha games is terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It always sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it always has. Yeah, and, and needless to say, like, after this um, this game was put, put to rest, uh, this year, actually, but Castlevania essentially has gone dormant. Now, this isn't to say that Castlevania can't come back. 
for one, there's an incredibly successful Netflix series that has definitely boosted mm-hmm. its popularity quite considerably. Mm-hmm. And Cap, uh, Capcom, Konami has gotten back into the video game making business in a sense. Uh, and they have been doing the thing where they test the waters by re-releasing their old games and seeing how well they did. They did that with the Contra collection, which did well and eventually led to Contra Rogue Core. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. I guess. And not a good game, but a video game. <laughs> a video game, yeah. And they recently did the same with Castlevania, doing two separate collections with a third rumored uh, that's supposed to feature all the DS games. Uh, that uh, apparently both those collections have done quite well. So could we potentially see a new Castlevania game? We certainly could. Will it be good? I am not holding my breath because oh boy is Konami in a real bad place right now. They are they are in a bad place. So the one tiny beacon of hope is that Konami does not seem to be investing into their own development houses. Mm. Um, if I remember correctly, Rogue Rogue Core was outsourced. Yes, it was. And the latest push they're doing is a Silent Hill revival revival attempt um so funnily enough uh the reason the ostensibly that they are pushing silent hill all of a sudden is uh they want to make a sequel to the original live action silent hill movie yeah which want to reboot it which is interesting got my own thoughts on that movie and the prospect of making sequels of that but video game wise um putting aside the fact that they are Attempting to remake one of the most beloved video games ever as a movie tie-in game with a somewhat proven studio, i.e. they have proven themselves to be generally kind of mediocre. The the larger point is that all of their revival attempts are seemingly outsourced to other studios. Yeah. So all that to say, were they to attempt a a new Castlevania they would presumably contract someone to do it. Hmm. And maybe they'll contract someone competent. Maybe. The developers of uh, Hollow Knight, perhaps. Or maybe Ega's studio itself. Maybe. Or maybe we can go with another little ray of hope. Maybe they could actually bring back Mercury Steam. Because after Mercury Steam kind of... uh, Release a pretty bad video game in Lords of Shadow 2. Uh, a game that usually for like a relatively small studio would probably kill them. Uh-huh. Instead, what it did between that and Mirror Fate actually caught the eye of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Who, who then immediately had them do a revival of Metroid 2. That was interesting. Not good. It was fine. Yeah. Which then honestly inspired even more faith in them to make a sequel to Metroid called Metroid Dread. That is maybe one of the best Switch games out there. It's really good, yes. actually. It is it, re- in spite it, of everything. They got there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a slight funny story to that, that game was conceived many years ago by Nintendo as a sequel to Metroid Fusion. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of got quietly shuffled off as uh, Nintendo didn't really want to make too many more Metroid games because they don't sell super well. Nope. Uh, but then, yeah, eventually they just made that game and it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So 
it turns out, hey, you know, maybe they can come back and do like their own take on Symphony of the Night. That is maybe maybe better than Mirror of Fate. That'd be cool. That'd be down. that'd be sick. Yeah. yeah. But who knows? We'll we'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, Mirror. I know Mercury Steam right now has some project with the uh, Five Hundred Five games that. Mm. Uh, that is not related to any other established IP. So right. we'll, we'll see what they're, what they're going to be up to with that. But yeah, in the meantime, who knows what's going to happen with Castlevania. Or really Konami in particular. I mean, their gambling business yeah. has kind of ba- bottomed out as well. So Right, which oof, who knows? might be... He's honestly probably why they're looking at that Silent Hill movie and going, eh, maybe, maybe. Maybe we should do five separate Silent Hill projects. Why not? Yeah. Sure. One of them is bound to work. Right? And maybe even make money. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Alex, how are you feeling? I I don't know. I <laughs> really like Castlevania as a franchise, but oh boy, did it just have an inglorious end, as did every single Konami project mm-hmm. or, or franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I just... Other than, I guess, my favorite, Zone of the Enders, which had two games, the second of which was amazing, and then died. <laughs> oh, man. I remember when they, like, briefly announced they were thinking about doing something with Zone of the Enders, and every- the internet got real excited for, like, a day. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it turned out, no, it was just a sort of remastered. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone got sad again. Uh, yeah. I Yeah, the... These usually end on a down note because we're dealing with like legacy gaming franchises, right. and you know, it's as it turns out, you know, you go long enough, eventually they're gonna kind of die out. That's just yeah. how it works. Like, but did you make a good game? Don't make a sequel. <laughs> just let it let it end. Yeah, just let it end. Don't make me sad. Don't make me be remembered more. fondly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't live long enough to be a villain. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a good spot to leave this off on. Alex, thank you so much for joining me, as always, on this. Of course. And for all of you out there who want to listen to more episodes of Fallen Through Potholes, you can go to ftp.podbean.com or look through for Fallen Through Potholes on your podcast service of choice. Uh, obviously, you know, like, subscribe, do all that sort of stuff. We all appreciate it. But with that, we're going to take off. Take care, everybody. Take care.